Oh, Beam, how we've missed you. In the grand scheme of things, a four-game losing streak is not that big of a deal. That being said, this Kings group has never lost more than four games together. We certainly didn't want to see that get to five, and it didn't because of the Black Falcon. Kaka! Harrison Barnes with a 32-point performance. The Sacramento Kings defeat the Atlanta Hawks 122-107, to and you're listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And y'all... I needed this beam tonight just as much as I think those players, that coaching staff, this front office, every fan inside the Golden One Center, and all of you around the world watching and listening to this podcast tonight. I think we all needed to see that purple beam in the Sacramento night sky. The Kings snapped their four-game losing streak, 122-107, to the final score over a shorthanded Hawks team. And I make sure to emphasize that because, as we know, when the Kings take on a team that is missing their star like the Hawks were without Trey Young tonight, typically we're assuming or we're, we're mentally preparing for the worst, right? And the fact that the Kings won this game, snapped this losing streak, were basically in control from start to finish were definitely the better team throughout and they handled their business and beat a team that they should be beating even at full strength in their own building but definitely shorthanded they beat the team that they were supposed to beat tonight it was great to see and I what I really appreciate about this game amongst many things of course we're going to get into Harrison Barnes and his big night here in just a second but I appreciated the fact that the Kings blowing big leads and, and blowing leads, period, has been kind of a, a, a sore subject as of late, right, with what happened in Phoenix and what happened at the end of that Bucks game uh, on the road trip the Kings just returned from. To see the Kings have a 24-point lead and to see that 24-point lead get cut down to 10 on three separate occasions, but unless I'm mistaken, it never got within single digits. Like, the, the fact that the Kings took the three different punches – from Atlanta, whether it was DeJounte Murray getting going or Bogdan Bogdanovich hitting a big shot or, or the big dunk by Nyeko Okongwu. Like the, the Hawks had their moments and had big opportunities to really put some momentum together and cut this lead down and, and, and potentially try and steal a game here in the Golden 1 Center, and Sacramento didn't allow it to happen. And it wasn't Mike Brown taking timeouts every single time the Kings were uh, the lead was cut down to 10. No, the Kings figured it out themselves. At one point, it was Keegan Murray going on, I think, a 7-0 run by himself scoring 
scoring seven straight points to get the Sacramento Kings back to a comfortable lead. The Kings just did a really good job responding. I mentioned that Okongwu amazing dunk. A few plays later, JaVale McGee has that big two-handed dunk that fires up the Kings crowd. He actually got a technical foul for hanging on the rim, which is the stupidest, stupidest thing ever. Like, God forbid a player hangs on the rim and, and celebrates a little bit that way, unless he's putting somebody in danger by like swinging his legs at the face of a, a player that's beneath the basket. There's no reason to call a technical foul there. That's like the most old man MLB rule in the NBA. I think it's dumb, and I wish that they, they would get rid of it. Regardless, it doesn't matter that the Kings gave up that technical foul and that technical point because that moment fired up the Kings crowd, fired up the Kings themselves, and helped them make sure that the, the Hawks didn't build momentum off of that big dunk uh, by Okongwu. So Sacramento did a really good job tonight responding when the Hawks made their three big pushes to try and cut that 24-point lead down to single digits. Some numbers that I love here, the Kings outscoring the Hawks 46, or excuse me, 56 to 40 in the paint. The Kings had 15 fast break points tonight, which you love to see this team getting out in transition. And maybe the best number of them all, the best thing about tonight, y'all, the Kings shot 24 of 27, 88% from the free throw line. Oh, what a beautiful thing. This Kings team was hitting their free throws. That's been a major struggle significantly in this past couple of weeks, but really over the entire season where the Kings are last in the NBA in free throw shooting. To see the Kings handle their business from the foul line, this game would have been way closer than it had to have been had the Kings struggled to hit their free throws. So for, to see them have a good free throw shooting night, especially after three off days where this Kings team practiced and they prioritized shooting a boatload of free throws, it's good to see, at least for tonight, and hopefully it continues, but at least for tonight, the Kings' free throws were falling. They shot it at a high percentage, and that didn't have to be a factor or a talking point beyond this positive talking point right here uh, at this point in the podcast. But let's talk about Harrison Barnes, right? HB, I see you. I recognize you. I appreciate you tonight. The Black Falcon, 32 points, 10 of 20 shooting from the field, 4 of 8 from three-point range, a perfect 8 of 8 from the free throw line, also had four rebounds and one steal for HB. It is his third time this season he scored 20 or more points. He scored 33 points in the season opener in Utah, if you remember that game. And he, he did that on, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he did it on a, a decent amount fewer so, uh, shots. Like, HB taking 20 shots tonight, this is crazy. His 20 shots tonight equals the last three games combined. That's how little the HB has been shooting the basketball. Like, he just hasn't been shooting a lot. And, and his most recent game against Indiana, where he scored two points, only took two shots, and grabbed, I think, only one rebound, or didn't do literally anything else for the 23 or 24 minutes that he was on the floor, people were saying all he did was get cardio that night. And they were right. And HB's had far too many nights like that. So to see him have a night like tonight where, you know what, he was aggressive from the get-go. Hey, get yours, HB. Put your shots up. I'm, I'm okay with him taking 20 shots tonight. In fact, I, I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see him aggressive. I'm happy to see him taking those shots. This is an, a, a ridiculous stat from Will Z. In 359 games with the Kings, he's played 359 games, including tonight's game. This is just the second time in those 359 games that he's taken 20 or more field goals. That just goes to show, like, HB even when the Kings didn't have the amount of offensive weapons that this roster currently does. HB 
has never been a guy to take a boatload of shots. That's just not his role on this Kings team. He fills his role in other ways. Now, unfortunately, he's gone MIA far too much this season. Thank God that's not a talking point tonight. We don't have to focus on that negative. We can focus on the positive of how HB played. And I was thinking to myself, like, okay, what's different? Like, watching him get off to this great start, he had eight points in the first, like, five or six minutes of this game. What is different? Because the Kings weren't drawing up plays for HB to start this game. Later on in the game, they were they were starting to feature HB a little bit more when they realized that he had the hot hand and it was kind of his night. They, they drew up some opportunities and tried to intentionally get him the ball in certain spots. Mike Brown has been very, very vocal about the fact that the Kings do not draw plays up for Harrison. They just don't. Like they're, they're, If they're drawing plays up, it's for other guys. If Harrison gets the ball, it's in the flow of kind of the free-range offense that Mike likes to allow De'Aaron Fox, DeMondis Sabonis, and this Kings team to run. If the Kings do run offensive sets, typically it's for Herter or it's for Murray. It's not for Harrison. So what was different? It was just how Harrison attacked this game. And I use that word attacked very intentionally. Like, he came out of the gate and he attacked. He attacked the rim where he actually wasn't very efficient scoring around the rim. But he, he, he was good from three-point range. He was good from the mid-range. He was getting to his spots. Harrison Barnes was in attack mode. He looked a step quicker. He looked refreshed. Maybe it was those three days off that did that. And hopefully that's not the only reason why he had a big night because it's not too often that the Kings are going to get three more days off over the remainder of the season. Although, funny enough, the Kings have three days off between now or rather they have two days off between now and their game against the Golden State Warriors on Thursday. So they'll have a couple more days off here coming up. Maybe that's a good thing for Harrison and how he can perform against the Warriors in the Chase Center. But like, maybe it was those days off that, that made him look refreshed and have that pep in the step. I just think Harrison tried. like, And I don't mean that in a negative way, like he's not trying in those other games. I just think Harrison decided to come out in this game and say, I am going to establish myself. I am going to get mine. I am going to assert myself early on. Whether that's just for a quarter, whether it goes good or bad. And to, the, to be honest with you, compared to those nights where he's not doing anything, I would rather Harrison assert himself and start the game one of seven from the field than only take two or three shots and be look like the Kings are playing five on four for the entire night. I would much rather Harrison try to be aggressive and shots just not fall. That I, 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 I'm telling you, I prefer that. Maybe I'll change my mind if he were to do that four or five games in a row, but for now, to see HB attack and it, to have success tonight, tonight, but hopefully to see him to continue to attack coming out of the gate, especially if that takes pressure off of De'Aaron, who struggled tonight. We'll talk about him in a second. Take pressure off DeMontis Sabonis, who didn't do a lot of scoring tonight. Take pressure off of anybody. Like, I, I love to see that from HB. So, I asked Mike Brown after the game. I asked him two questions. You're going to hear both those questions and both of Mike's answers. But basically, I asked him about HB, what he noticed was different, and how difficult it is for HB to be in that attack mode consistently when he doesn't know when he's going to get uh, the touches or, or the shots that some of his other teammates are getting. Here's what Mike said. Mike, building off that a little bit with HB, I mean, it's been a season of up and downs with him. It's been a season of up and downs with the team in general. But from your perspective and, and, and your seat there courtside, what did you see and what do you notice is different about HB in these kind of performances versus nights like the other night where he only takes two shots and only finishes with two points? Uh, you know, the, I thought the pop was there. Um, he was really aggressive. Um, 
you know, if he felt like he was open, he stepped in and shot the ball. Uh, the guy closed out on him a little too hard and or he thought he could go around him, he went around him. And if he got an angle to the rim, uh, then he was drawing a foul or, or looking to score it. So um, seeing him being as aggressive as, as he was tonight uh, was good because we needed it with the way that our, our big three um, uh, shot the ball. So, uh, And then on top of that, you know, once he got going like that, we started going to him. And down the stretch, we basically went to him three or four straight times or called his number uh, three or four straight times. And, and good things happened almost every time uh, he, he touched the ball. So uh, he had a, a great game from start to finish on offense and the floor for us. Mike, quick follow-up to the Harrison question from earlier. Uh, you mentioned the aggressiveness that he started this game with. I know there's only so many shots to go around, and you've talked before. Sure. He has to kind of fill a role with that that starting unit with other guys getting their touches. <clears throat> Is it difficult to ask for Harrison to, to be that aggressive as he was tonight in consistently throughout games when he doesn't know when those touches are going to come or those opportunities are going to come? Is that hard to ask a player? Yeah, it, it is because if you think about H, most HB's career uh, – he spent a lot of time getting the ball like he did down the stretch, you know, get him into the post or get him at the nail. So it was a lot of play calls that he had uh, for him. And, you know, we have a lot of guys on this team that can score, especially scoring the flow. And, and, and we want to we wanna play fast. So I can't manipulate it from the sidelines because if I do, if I start by ah, five up, this, this, and that, then it's going to slow us down. And that's not how we want to play. And, and uh, so he, as well as everybody else, is going to have to find their shot in the floor of the game. The tough part about it is he very seldom brings it. Sometimes it may not get to him because as soon as we're open, we want to let that thing fly. And uh, so he may not – the ball may not always get to him. So uh, – and then, you know, you got Fox, you got Thomas, you got Malik, uh, uh, Keegan taking high volume, and then, then you have uh, uh, Kevin – uh, and Malik probably next, and so it's it's a little tough for for HB, but uh, you know he's definitely a guy that uh, you could throw the ball to when you need a basket because you know he's going to get a good look, and or he's going to get to the free throw line. So he's got to keep doing what he's doing to to be aggressive and finding his spots like he did tonight to start the game, and and then he's just got to be ready, which he is going to be ready if his number's called like it was down the stretch tonight. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by my good friends over at Sack Yard Community Tap House and a very special happy birthday to Sack Yard. Tuesday, tomorrow, maybe today, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast, Sack Yard turns six years old. Six years being one of the best places in this Sacramento community to go spend some time with friends or family, loved ones, get some drinks, enjoy some food, enjoy some music, and just have a good time together as a community. Of course, Sackyard is a fantastic place for you to watch Sacramento Kings basketball. And with the Kings going on a seven-game road trip here, if you're looking for a place to still get your kind of Kings buzz and Kings fix and not just want to watch the game on the couch by yourself or with only one or two people, go to Sackyard Community Tap House. Make sure you let them know that Locked on Kings sent you because you'll get 10% off your bill. But check this out. If you are looking for some place to go on your Tuesday evening, go to Sackyard and celebrate their birthday with them because all beers that they have on tap are only $6 to celebrate. 
Sackyard turning six years old. Plus, they'll have events going on all week long. They have an event on Thursday, the Hen House Big Chicken Triple IPA release. On Friday, they have the Dust Bowl Tap Takeover and Winter Wondergrass Ticket Giveaway. Saturday, the West Coast IPA Fest. Sunday, the 49ers Playoff Game, the NFC Championship Game. There's so much going on at Sackyard all the time, so celebrate their birthday week with them. Again, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you because Sackyard is your home for the Locked On Kings listener. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of Locked On Kings is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. And at the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What is the one move that I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team that you surround yourself, most much like a sports team in the NBA. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board for you just to post your job and anybody and everybody can apply for it. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have so many candidates, and their candidates uh, are so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. It's why small businesses ranked uh, LinkedIn Jobs is number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time to go through an extensive hiring process. So it takes a lot of the time and stress out of the process for you. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA and post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's talk about De'Aaron Fox a little bit. Another rough night for Fox. 12 points. Five of six shooting from the field, three rebounds and one assist. I'm actually going to start with a couple of positive things for De'Aaron before I get into what I really want to talk about, which which is kind of more of a Debbie Downer thing after a, a Kings loss, but or sorry, after a Kings win. But I I think it's it's worth talking about. But De'Aaron was struggling shooting the basketball again. He that oh a mid range shot or three point shot was not there for him. He went 0 of five, I believe, from three point range. Uh, the mid range jumper wasn't there either. He had a couple of them, but he was just struggling to 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 find that that jumper, and that's been kind of an issue for his on and off over really the last handful of uh, weeks. But there were a couple plays where De'Aaron wasn't getting going. Uh, and, and that shot wasn't falling, so he put his shoulder down, used his, used his speed, went right into the teeth of the defense, and finished around the rim. He even had a crucial three-point play in the fourth quarter to kind of put this game on ice. I make sure to point that out because a lot of people have talked about De'Aaron and, and this season. It seems like he's too reliant. Like he he's he's improved so much as a three-point shooter and as a jump shooter, period, that he's not attacking the basket and getting to the rim as much as he has in the past. It was good to see him do that. It was good to see him establish himself with that. I do think there is a reason for that. I think De'Aaron knows and, and can tell from his first few seasons in the NBA, his younger seasons in the NBA, not that Fox is old, but his rookie, sophomore, and really first three seasons in the league, De'Aaron was using that speed and getting downhill and getting to the rim as much as possible, and he was getting beaten up around the rim by the bigs. So I think it's intentional for De'Aaron not to go into the teeth of the defense as much as he has to, especially with that shot falling at a higher clip this year. At least it had been earlier. It's not so much right now. But I like to see De'Aaron say, you know what, my shot's not falling. I'm still going to get involved. I'm attacking the basket, and I'm scoring one way or another. Really like to see that from De'Aaron. But now let's talk about what, what I think needs to be talked about with Fox. All-star voting season is here, right? And now the all-star vote itself, who cares? Like, the Kings never win via all-star vote. It's just never going to happen here in Sacramento, right? So 
I'm not so much worried about the voting aspect of it because I was pretty confident that both De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis would represent the Kings again at All-Star, this time in Indiana, because of the coaches' vote, right, and and making it as, as reserves. I thought De'Aaron, with how he started the season when he was scoring amongst the MVPs in the league, I thought he was a lock to be an All-Star reserve. I wonder... And I think there's a very good argument for De'Aaron has played himself out of an all-star spot recently. Now, people have looked about how Fox is playing and questioned if he's feeling 100%, if he's feeling right. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to diagnose him with anything. He certainly doesn't look as quick and aggressive and, and certainly as smooth as he did to start this season. Mike Brown says we're in the dog days of the season, and, and rightfully so. We're right smack dab in the middle of the year. These are the the, 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 the tough games to kind of get yourself up and get yourself physically and mentally ready for at times. So De'Aaron's going through it a little bit, right? And I think just looking at some of the names in the Western Conference, right, the, the undeniables, in my opinion, that are going to be all-stars, the, the Luka Doncic's, Anthony Edwards, Steph Curry. I mean, he's just going to get a legacy all-star vote, even if the Golden State Warriors suck. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like, those four basically have to be in, in the Western Conference for guards. And then you have other names like James Harden, who's playing really, really well for the L.A. Clippers, who are one of the better teams in the NBA right now. And you have Devin Booker, who is having a bit of a down year. I think I would put Fox in over Booker, but... You also have to understand optics in this situation. It's important, even if it shouldn't be or it's dumb, like there are going to be some people that aren't going to want to put both De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis in because they don't feel that the Kings deserve to have two players representing them for the season that they're having. Again, that could be stupid, it could be dumb, but it's it's a thing, right? Just like Nikola Jokic didn't win his third straight MVP because that would have put him in a elite, elite, elite class of only a few players who have ever done that in the NBA period. So that had an impact on not saying Joel Embiid didn't deserve to win the MVP last season. And he put up 70 freaking points tonight. So we know how good Joel Embiid is. But I'm just using that as an example to point out that kind of stuff happens in these discussions and these votes and, and, and in all-star conversations. So I could see a world where people exclude De'Aaron and include DeMontis Sabonis because Sabonis is on an absolute tear and playing really, really well and putting up bonkers numbers as the second leader or second most triple doubles in the league. And they leave De'Aaron Fox out, one, because they don't think the Kings deserve to have two players as all-stars, and two, because De'Aaron hasn't been playing too well as of right now. I think it's a very legitimate conversation. I think he played so well to start this season. He was so unbelievable early on in this season that he absolutely still deserves to be in the conversation and I think should be close to a lock to make it. But I'm not the one voting. I'm not the one deciding. And there's so many other freaking players in this talented Western Conference that I think we have to face the reality that De'Aaron Fox may not get in. De'Aaron has... Seven games this season where he scored fewer than 20 points. Four of those seven games have been here in January in 2024. So it's been a, a rough start to this year for Fox. Now, that being said, I asked DeMontis Sabonis after the game about Fox. Fox is going through these struggles. He's going through this rut. But he's continued to expect to lead, right? And maybe the numbers haven't always been there. He did have back-to-back 30-point performances not too long ago, but... The numbers just haven't been what they were to start this season. So I asked Domas, how has De'Aaron continued to lead? And Domas, to say he had Fox's back is putting it lightly. 
You've been here for much of De'Aaron's ascension into this, the superstardom, especially with the start of the season that he's had. I'm curious from your perspective, he seems to be in a little bit of a funk right now, but how has he continued to impress you or lead, or what are the things that he's been doing over the last handful of weeks while the numbers may not be there, but he's still leading? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's in a funk. You know, um, he's playing the right way. He's um, making the right reads, getting guys involved. He's leading. Um, teams are throwing everything at him. He's averaging 30 points, so uh, teams these last couple of games are throwing different defenses at him. He's doing a great job of running the plays. Coach calls a lot of plays, um, like tonight was for HB. So um, we're a great team, so there's there's many different players that can uh, show up every other night, you know, and uh, he's the one leading. He's he's the head of the snake with the ball, so um, this doesn't happen with, with without him. So, you know, whatever he ended up with tonight, I don't even know, but um, we won because of him. Sabonis, just another example of how amazing of a teammate Sabonis is. And speaking of Sabonis tonight, 14 points, 4 of 10 from the field, 21 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals. It's, it's hard to say that someone who had 21 rebounds didn't have the best of nights, but he didn't. Like the fact that De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis combined for only 26 points in a game where the Kings scored 122, there's two ways to look at that. One, it's, oh, your, your two stars struggled. The other way to look at that is, oh, my God, this, this Kings bench put up 43 points. Harrison Barnes had that big night. Look at the Kings. They're so dynamic offensively that they're capable of scoring 122 points on a night where Fox and Sabonis just did not have it. Normally, if the Kings are scoring 122, it's because Fox and Sabonis are combining for around 50. That wasn't the case tonight. But Domas is his 25th straight double-double. He makes him look easy. He has, uh, in, in January, I mean, he's just been unbelievable to start 2024. He's averaging 21.6 points, 14.2 rebounds, and 9.1 assists so far in 2024. Just ridiculous freaking numbers for Domas. Those 21 rebounds, just add it to the list. Fantasy owners, make sure you have Demonte Sabonis on your team. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've listened to Locked on Kings before, you've probably heard me talk about BetterHelp at one point or another. And if you've heard me talk about BetterHelp a ton of times, you know how important mental health is to me, how important therapy is to me, how big of an impact therapy has made on my life. I started seeing a therapist during COVID. I've continued to see my therapist, TJ, for the last three or four years now. He is so important to me. He's so important to my family. He's helped me unpack things, baggage that I was carrying that I wasn't even aware was weighing my shoulders down, issues and things stemming back to childhood that I had no idea about. And it didn't, doesn't mean that there's significant things and significant diagnoses that are, are going on. Most of us just have little issues that pop up in daily life, common things that we need to work through, we need to talk about, we need to handle and not just brush aside or put under the rug for it to come out as a one big dust bunny monster to, to, to ruin our lives going forward, right? Mental health is so incredibly important. And if you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, why don't you check out BetterHelp? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, to fit your schedule and uh, your, your, your flexible lifestyle. Look, you, all you have to do is fill out a brief question, uh, questionnaire. You'll get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you're not vibing with one therapist, give another a try. Of course, having a good connection and trust with your therapist is so important. Celebrate the progress you've already made here in 2024 and celebrate the progress that you are going to make by giving BetterHelp a try. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. 
And of course, Locked On Kings is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're down to just four teams in the NFL, the AFC and NFC Championship games. And of course, the San Francisco 49ers, one win away from the Super Bowl. You can bet on all of the action from now through the Super Bowl. You can bet on all the NBA action on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. No catches, nothing like that. Put $5 down on whatever you want to bet on. You could bet on the NFC Championship game, AFC Championship game, a Kings game, whatever it is. $5 down. If you win, great, you're already in the green. And you get $150 in bonus bets on top of that. If you lose, no big deal. Here's $150 in bonus bets for you to make that $5 back and then some by uh, making live same-game parlays, finding bets in their new Explore tab, going to the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays. There's so many amazing ways to play on FanDuel, so many ways to make sports betting what it's supposed to be, which is a fun hobby or side to your already enjoyment of sporting events. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first First bet, a layup FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So before the game against the Pacers here in Sacramento a handful of days ago, Mike Brown shared with us that he's pretty happy and pretty satisfied with his rotation. Like he, he thinks he's got his, his rotation pretty well handled. That rotation did not feature two guys that played tonight, JaVale McGee and Davion Mitchell. So I guess those comments that he was pretty happy with his rotation and he wasn't going to make any changes, apparently those didn't last very long. And hey, maybe a four-game losing streak will, will make you change your mind a little bit. And maybe with the Kings having three days off and the extra practice time, Mike decided to make another tweak again and go in a different direction. I still scratch my head a little bit at some of the decisions like JaVale McGee over Alex Len. I just think Alex Len has been better. He is better and he makes more of a positive impact for the Kings. That being said, JaVale McGee, I thought was Good tonight. Seven points, three rebounds, one block. Had some good defensive moments. Had that awesome dunk and technical foul to fire the crowd up. I thought JaVale McGee was good. Davion Mitchell, five points, two rebounds, two assists. Played 22 minutes tonight. I think that was more than just showcasing him for any kind of future trade. I thought Davion had some really good moments defensively. He took on some of the brunt of guarding DeJounte Murray, who had a 34-35 point night. DeJounte was very, very good, but without Trey Young, someone had to take those shots. Thought Davion, I think he won the defensive player of the game crown too tonight. Good to see Davion get back to that off-night status that we know and love him for when the Kings initially drafted him. So Davion got some run tonight. Then you have Sasha Vizenkov, who did play against Indiana. Tonight played eight points, three or four shooting from the field, a couple of rebounds. Unfortunately, though, I think he would have played more than like the six minutes that he played, but he hurt his ankle. He, he, he fell down underneath the basket, looked like he rolled his ankle, limped off the floor, went back to the locker room, and that was kind of the last that we saw him tonight. So hopefully it's not a big deal. It's just a minor injury because... For the most part, when Sasha Vizenkov plays, especially offensively, good things are happening. I've liked the fact that he's kind of found his spot consistently again in Mike's rotation. I think it should stay that way, and hopefully injury doesn't keep that back. But, hey, 43 bench points for the Kings bench tonight. You love to see that. This Kings team, when they play as a team, they typically win as a team. And I love the input from the bench. Of course, Malik Monk uh, had a really good night distributing the basketball. I think he finished with eight assists, if I'm not mistaken, looking at the box score here off the bench. Yeah, 13 points, eight assists, four or six from the field. Like, we know how important he is as a distributor and a kind of second point guard. Mike did roll out a three-guard lineup at one point with with Monk, Fox, and Mitchell. First time we've ever seen it. I asked Monk about it after the game, and Monk talked about how he likes that it gives 
this team a lot of options with speed and getting up and down the floor, and that's three willing passers that are on the floor in addition to two big men, and it just opens things up for the Kings. So maybe it's not the last time that we've seen it. I don't know. I'd like to see more of it just to see uh, how it works, and maybe we'll see that on Thursday against the Warriors. The Kings now go on a seven-game road trip. Seven-game road trip beginning with the Kings and Warriors for the final time during this season and hopefully the final time period. I don't want these two teams to meet again in the playoffs. I've had enough of that. But final time these two teams will meet. It's at the Chase Center. I will be at that game, which of course means you can expect a post-game Locked on Kings podcast as usual, but this one will be from the Chase Center. The last time the Kings and Warriors played in the Chase Center was Clay Thompson's game winner in a game that I think De'Aaron Fox did not play in. So the Kings still looking for a little bit of revenge for that there uh, over at Chase. Again, I'll be at that game. If you're going, make sure you let me know. Come by, say hi. Would love to chat with you there uh, inside the Chase Center. But in between now and then, we have a couple of days off. So I am going to be recording a podcast here. At least the plan is to record a podcast talking about different trade scenarios or different trade packages that the Kings could be involved in or I'd like to see the Kings be involved in. There's a long list of names of players out there that the Kings have either been re reportedly attached to or players that I think make sense for the Kings to go out and target. That list of names is actually pretty long. So I'm going to put together like five or so trade packages that I would like to see the Kings try and make or offers that they should make or offers that I think would work or could work and we'll talk through them. You can expect that in a future episode episode of the Long Time Kings podcast. So if you want to weigh in and share some packages that you would like to see the Kings put together for certain players or share with me just the players you want to see the Kings go out and target here as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, make sure you do that. Hit me up in the comment section if you're watching on YouTube. You can hit me up on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack or you can email me at any time, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Of course, share with me your thoughts on tonight's game, whatever you want to talk about. Let's talk about it. Appreciate you so, so much. Again, happy birthday to Sackyard Community Tap House. I love you guys. They were all here tonight uh, celebrating as a Sackyard family watching the game. Uh, so it was good to see all of them, my guy Kyle and, and, and uh, that entire crew, just awesome people. Go and check out Sackyard and, and celebrate their birthday with them. Also, by the way, didn't mention this, going to have another watch party at Sackyard Kings and Sons. I think it's February 13th, if I'm not mistaken. It's uh, two days after the Super Bowl. Kings and Sons. Uh, in Phoenix. I will be hosting a watch party for that at Sackyard Community Tap House. More information on that coming very, very soon. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked On Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.